The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
And I never, ever want to turn away some refreshing <laughs> new wave 80s. It kind of is, 70s. isn't it? It's, yeah. it's kinda, it sounds fresh nowadays. It truly does. And it does. And it was perfect because, you know, like always, we have an agenda. Yes. Uh, but tell us a little bit about that. Ditty. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of cool because, as you know, this is my wheelhouse. I love, you know, these little uh, little tidbits of information and history and, <laughs> and whatnot about these That was these not songs. the wheelhouse I would have, like, Well, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, but of course that was missing persons, uh-huh. um, and they were they were a prominent band in the early eighties. Yeah, uh, it's a well known song with a with a very interesting background. Terry Bozio was of course the lead vocalist. Dale Bozio was the drummer. They were a they were a, a married team, and they met while working with Frank Zappa, huh. which uh, in my book anyway gives them instant credibility. Right. Um, but the song, uh, Words, was released on a 1982 EP, a Missing Persons EP, and uh, it, it, it evolved, I guess you could say. Um, it was re-released on an 82 album, uh, Spring Sessions M, uh, which was an anagram for Missing Persons. Hmm. And, uh, and yeah, very, very interesting history behind the song. Um, and the originally, they, long story short... You know, they worked with Frank. They put together Missing Persons as a band. They released a, an EP. Right. It got them, you know, some notice. It sold a few copies. Uh-huh. And then they signed in 82. I think it was with Epic. And they re-released the EP. But the EP, they replaced. They had done a Doors cover uh, of Hello, I Love You. Right. And they replaced the Doors cover with words. And the EP took off. It sold like a quarter of a million copies. Huh. And then they finally released a, a, a full-length album which is what we used to call it back in the day. Right, old-timey term. Epridge Farm remembers. Exactly. <laughs> um, aforementioned Spring Sessions M album with, with words on it, uh-huh. and it became a hit for him. Huh. So it, it was it, kind of a convoluted, kind of crazy, kind of roundabout right. kind of thing. Um, but the overarching thing that I always respected about them that in my mind separated them from a lot of the bands that were producing stuff back then was they had worked with Frank Zappa. Right. And that automatically gave them uh, credibility, A, and weirdness, B. You know? Well, I tell you what, what gave them both to me, if I could take the, uh, the lowbrow layman's approach, was Please watching do. the video, uh, the, the chick out of this tandem yeah, Terry. dressed up like Madonna should have looked during the Express <laughs> Yourself tour. I mean, because, look, either you could fill a, a cone-shaped bra or you can't. Yeah. Um, She's uh, quite the chartreuse. She was. She was back in the day. <laughs> Terry Bozio was an eyeful. She was an eyeful. Oh my goodness! And she had a very unique voice. Very yes. unique voice. Yeah. And uh, and you know, the whole you know singer uh, married to the drummer thing uh-huh. uh, was not an unusual situation. I guess you could say back then. Right. Pat Benatar, yep. Uh, yep. I believe, did the same thing. Um, you know, there were other examples of which I cannot. Come up with yeah. off the top of my head, but no, really, the, the man as a musician and the uh, you know the lady as the front man uh, worked in, in in various different setups. Most definitely did. Uh, I mean, shit, Captain and Tennille, even the Carpenters, even though I believe they were brother and sister. Yeah, uh, the Eurythmics, same dynamic there. Ike and Tina Turner, same yeah. dynamic there. It just kind of worked. Well, back and, then. and anytime you can put on your resume, I work with Frank Zappa. Sure, you know that's well that's... for for individuals like yourself that. that <laughs> You know, to me, that carries the weight of a Kentucky colonel, but hey. Well, you know, in music... A pedigree by any delineation it, is still it, a pedigree. In, in music circles, that's right up there with saying I worked with Miles Davis. 
Okay, that you makes know, more sense. Yeah, I worked with you know various <laughs> composers of an outdoor. Mr. Or, Quincy Jones. Yeah, you know if you can say that, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, in, in my mind anyway, it gave Missing Person some credibility that other bands of that time did not necessarily have. All right, that's you know? fair. Yeah, and you know it's uh, we we pick that tune because it's did about indeed. you know yes, we did. words and stirring the pot and mm-hmm. provocative uh, phrases and all that kind what of good stuff. What are words for? Yes, what are words for? Especially when spoken by demagogues. <laughs> <laughs> and by demagogues, I mean, yes, our elected leaders. Yes. Not that we all elect, you know, it's, it's a partisan. They got uh, elected elector. by somebody. Yeah. 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 So we, we, we pick these people, and this is something that, that's, uh, for at least me in particular, come into stark relief in the era of Trump. Um, and I say this as a... 75% Trump supporter that I never realized in my younger years. 75%. 75% Trump supporter. I never realized in my younger years how stupid our elected officials really are. Yeah. I thought they were doctors and lawyers and, you know, you kind of poli side You kind of grow, grow up with that perceptive yes, perception. Best and brightest. And then, leading us. Yeah. And, you know? then, and then you get learned, you know. Oh, my think. God. Yeah. The, the morons that we prop up as a society. Oh, my God. Good Lord. It's amazing we're not extinct yet. And then they say shit. Right. Which brings us to today. <laughs> because, yes, you put a microphone in front of them and without Ooh, handlers. Look out. Yeah. You crazy fuck. So, in particular, today we're going to talk about uh, kind of a recent trend hmm. from elected or popular figures where they're using inflammatory speech to elicit a response from people and then they try and dodge the fallout when they get that response from people yeah well you know just to clarify obviously inflammatory speech is nothing new particularly out of politicians sure but these days particularly with social media we can directly uh, attribute it to reactions by the populace. Thank God for them internets. Oh, because yeah, everything's instantaneous. Exactly. And you can watch the immediate reactions. Yeah. Now, when we were kids, you know, the really closest we would come to seeing this kind of stuff was old World War II footage yep. of black and white, uh, the parades at night that Nazis would put on and Hitler's there pounding the podium, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you never really saw what happened afterwards. Yeah. They were very orderly parades, nice light show, that whole thing with Indeed. the USC marching Indeed. band. Sorry. Mm. But nowadays, you get to see the speech, and then you get to see what happens afterwards. Yeah, the direct result of. Right. So, first one, obviously, that comes to mind. I'll take the bullet for this one first. <laughs> Is Donald Trump, when he had a certain little rally at the Capitol. On January 6th. <sighs> Look at him with his details. <laughs> And he kind of got uh, all the, the neckbeards worked into a frenzy. And I mean the women also. Yes. Uh, and they then proceeded to march on, in my Gumpian voice, our nation's capital, and cause a little bit of a ruckus. bit of a ruckus. There were some deaths. You there know, was it, some if, shootings. If they had stopped and marched on, that would have been one thing. But these idiots... Right had to take it one step further. And I'm glad you drew the line right there, which is probably how each of us will present, you know, the, the, these arguments. If you're, you know, if you're listening for a dog whistle, you're always going to hear it. Okay? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as somebody who holds the, the, the crowd in sway, as any kind of public figure, whether you're uh, a sports personality or um, even like a, like a Hollywood person, 
your words have have power, and they will elicit a response out of people that are listening oh, to you, absolutely, who agree with you and are kind of looking for direction and something to do. Yeah. So in this case, when Trump says, you know, we meet, we need to march on Washington and make our voices heard. You could take that at 30,000 feet and say, well, yeah, they're going to march downtown and they're going to protest and yeah. wave their signs and all this. But what happened, which he was tone deaf to, was that these people were ready to fight. Well, that was the thing. And, and what made this a very unprecedented situation, I mean, you know, like we were just saying, inflammatory speech is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every idiot on Fox News is is fond of inflammatory speech. But for the first time, I think, in... I, I can't even remember an episode uh, to attribute this to, the knuckleheads in, 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 on the receiving end of it took it to a whole new level. Yes. You know, I because mean... Because they heard what they wanted to hear. Yeah. I can't... I don't know. As much as I didn't like Trump, mm-hmm. um, attribute this... Christ, what am I trying to say? You know, prior to feeding the idiots red meat mm-hmm. didn't result in this. Right. You know, I can't for certain time, well, say that Trump's intention mm-hmm. behind, you know, him inflaming the masses was the result we got. Right. But you know? see, this time, I think what the difference was, because I agree with you, this time you had uh, a big portion of the QAnon community in attendance and also prepping for this whole speech and day well yeah. before it took place. Yeah. So there were forces in motion that it's, it's very similar to throwing gasoline on an already lit fire. Oh, yeah. And they just took this and ran with it. For some of them, it was justification. Yeah. For some of them, his words filled in the blanks that they already had in their head. Yeah. And once, like I said, they, they played mental Tetris and all these things fit yeah. the, the right categories. They're like, yep, he wants us to run on the, on the Capitol building. And yeah. Then you had what we have here today. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and just to clarify, I still think what he said was remarkably irresponsible. Oh, extremely at, irresponsible. At the, at the very best, he completely uh, misunderstood mm-hmm. how much these people were slaves to his every word. Talk about not reading the crowd. Yeah, yeah, Oof. exactly. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. But I'm, I'm you know... And I'm probably going to catch hell from this, but I'm not sure. You love him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that the result was his intention. And I, I think, honestly. But, it, you know, in, 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 in going down that road, I think there's an awful lot these days, you know, particularly from, you know, these, these uh, Glenn Beck idiots and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Of saying inflammatory shit and taking absolutely no responsibility for the potential results. I don't know if they're just fucking ignorantly unaware mm-hmm. of who they're talking to, what their audience Look, is, like, and like what their children. audience is capable of. Right. Well, they don't. Because, like, children, sometimes they just do things. Like, sometimes you'll write on your sister's forehead in permanent marker and think it's funny. Until you get caught. <laughs> and then your parents say, why did you do this? And you honestly have one response. I don't know. In, yeah, interesting example. And, and wasn't the first thing I thought of. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, I'm sanitizing it for everybody's consumption. Yeah, of course. Of because course. now, like, the next a- example is someone from your side. Yeah, Maxine Waters. Right. Sure, sure. And, you know, she's caught heat recently for her uh, comments in terms of the, uh, the protests in Minneapolis prior and just being, after yeah, being more the confrontation. Chauvin verdict. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know... Are these I'm, people aware 
of who they're talking to? Are they aware of the potential results of, of their speech? Are they, like, you know, are their heads so far up their asses that Apparently. They're, they're not watching yeah. the news and they're not paying attention to what's going on in the world today? You have to be very, very careful if you are a person in a position of influence right now mm-hmm. about what you say. And look, you never say to a person with a club in their hand, Boy, I wish I had a club in my hand. You know what I do with it? Yeah. You don't do that. Probably okay? veer off of that. So yeah. in, in her case, it wasn't even the most recent comments. It was the ones that she had made uh, way back in the early stages of Trump's presidency, saying to uh, make your voices heard and confront members of the cabinet when they go out to dinner or when you see them out and about in your community. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. That kind of started this whole mob getting in people's faces thing. Well, I think that was yet another example of unintended consequences. Right, because I, I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that Maxine Walters did not wish harm, a physical of nature at least, on these people. She just yeah. wanted them to be accountable yeah. and not just go up like most politicians. You get up, you give a sound bite full of you know, security surrounding you and whatnot, and then you disappear. Yeah. Everybody should be, and I think we agree on this, they should be accountable for the words that come out of their mouth. You know, that was the word I was wrestling with to a T, <laughs> is accountability. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that the people in positions of influence are willing right. to be accountable for some of the things they say. Yeah. The things that, that should be said right now should be said in an effort to de-escalate mm-hmm. the craziness and the insanity that seems to be going on these days. And before we even you know, touch on our third counter-example that floats between the two, uh, you're right. And, and the crux of this argument and this segment is you know, when a political figure speaks their mind and quote-unquote inspires others to act violently, is it really, you know that speaker's fault, or is it just another example of individuals, the listeners in this case, not being accountable or not taking responsibility for their own actions? Because nobody ever wants to be called a sheep, but they'll sure as shit use it as a defense. Oh, of course. A lot of these guys guys that broke the law, invaded the Capitol, had been using as a defense, as it is coming out now, as these idiots are being prosecuted, Mm -hmm. was, I was answering the call of my president. Exactly. Trash. And it's like, you were really that fucking stupid? Right. And and nobody's buying it. The guy dressed up in the the Buffalo costume with his his junk hanging out. Buddy, you're you're not following any president that I know of over the last 200 years. (laughs) You're a friggin' loon. You're you're a Navy dropout. You got booted out, whatever the case may be, living in your mother's basement. I think that's the point, is it appeals to these fucking lunatics, these morons and these psychos. That, you know, this is the kind of shit that they're waiting to hear. And everybody agrees, whether it be, you know, the, the, the far right or the far left, these people are, are the toxins of our political environment. Very much so. And yet, that's who most of your mainstream politicians these days are reaching out to, sometimes more prolifically than others. Yeah. But let's say even somebody like, you know, Mitch McConnell, okay, who really seems to enjoy relishing the role of, you know, the beaver dam in the river. Yeah, it's not going to get past me. And if he he talks like Jimmy Stewart a little more, you know, that people are going to look up to him because he represents the right and he's taking the stand, as well as the, the followers of AOC and the squad, okay, representing the far left. You know, there's no more... 
Well, the, there's no more so, centrics, and the well, centrics are so drowned detached out. Detached from reality, that yes. they, 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 they don't understand who's listening to them and right. who's reacting to the right. things they say. And you would have thought that a lot of this would have been diffused by Joe Biden getting elected, because you know, politically speaking, he's a pretty center aisle guy. Yeah. You know, we didn't expect any wacky shit to come out of him. Yeah. But you know, let's say, look, it's still early; it's the first hundred days, but there's been a little bit of waffling. The whole border crisis thing with kind of saying, well, come on in. And then being like, well, no, no not right now. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. could be handled better. But a lot of that is, is the pressure he's facing with his own party because it doesn't seem to be where the loudest voices are the rational, centric voices that are normally there. Yeah. Where are those politicians? Yeah. I know they exist. I know they're in there somewhere. And yes, the same thing could be said on the right. All you've got is the ultra-conservative, you know, stick-up-his-ass McConnell, the, 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 the kiss-ass Lindsey Graham, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to go in line with whichever way the wind blows. Yeah. You know, the one guy I like, the Navy SEAL with the one eye, he had to take a leave of absence because he's about to go blind in both eyes now, the poor bastard. So, again, where are these, like, central-leaning Figures, there aren't many. Yeah, at least not many that get the microphone in front of their mouth anymore. Well, again, I would, I would seriously question uh, the interpretation and the exposure um, that's going on, courtesy of the mass media. Yeah. Um, you know, now that uh, to a great degree, the Donald has been silenced. You know, he's been cut off from Twitter. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the, the most radical voices are getting the most attention, even though they don't represent. Or don't necessarily represent the vast majority of people. But they make great headlines. Yeah. That's all the media cares about. Yeah, it would, it would appear. It would appear. And I think that's something that we have to graduate from and that we have to get past. You know, right. the last four years, it was bombastic statements from Trump, equally bombastic statements made in response to. Right. And it kind of painted us into a corner that we desperately need to get out of. And we, we haven't done it yet, this. and that, that's no, concerning. Us. It's still lingering. <laughs> yeah. It's very much still lingering, you know. And I, I do do firmly believe um, that the worst examples, um, the fringe, if you will, from mm-hmm. both sides, are the minute minority. Yeah. They truly are. I mean, we still like know? to think that, but sometimes I wonder: Have you ever seen a little piece of cinema called Idiocracy? It rings a bell. Yeah, it was from the, the makers of Office Space and, okay. and Beavis and Butthead. Yep. But it, uh, it shows a, a glimpse of the future and what society <laughs> is like. Oh, God. And how extremely dumbed down and ignorant and Neanderthal we actually become right. in the future. Yeah. But the English language had deteriorated into a hybrid of hillbilly, valley girl, inner city slang, and various grunts. And in this movie, Terry Crews plays the president. He was a former professional wrestler. Oh, God. And, yeah, you can imagine what that whole scene is like. Yeah. And there was a, uh, a poll that came out a couple of weeks ago where 46% of Americans would be in favor of voting for The Rock for president. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not afraid. Ugh. You will be. Like I said many times, uh, we're living in an episode of The Twilight Zone. It would seem. And it, I don't see any light. Like, to, for us to get out of this burlap sack of ignorance that we've got ourselves into. Well, again, you know, I think that it's it's the extremist views that are being expressed that are being embraced by the news media. And you know, I, there I used still... to be a disclaimer on shows that almost said that exact thing. Yeah, the views and opinions expressed. Blah, blah, blah. 
But now everybody just gets a microphone. There's no disclaimers. Yeah. There's no filters. Yeah. It's just, just say whatever's on your mind. You, well, again, you thank you, social media. Yeah. You know, that, that, that elevates every idiot who has something to say, yeah. you know, to a level of, of potential going viral. Mm-hmm. You know, and we kowtow to these idiots because they're what turns heads. They're what, you know, grabs attention and yeah. whatnot. And we really, really need to stop that. You know, for the yeah. sake, for the sake of the country, Jesus and that, you God, know, that walking hand in hand with the the censorship wave that we're that we're dealing with right now, where some shadowy cabal on a weekly basis cancels or calls out or tells you know what you can say, what you can't, who do we hate this week, who do we hate next week, it's just. It's a morass. What are you talking about? The Twitterverse? Is that what you're making reference to? Just everything. The cancel culture, the call-out culture, whoever it is, you know, that this, like I said, that this shadowy intellectual, pseudo-intellectual cabal that's out there. Yeah. You know, it's it's getting just harder and harder to get a message across to to anybody. Yeah, to sort it out. So... That's not our job, folks. That's your job. <laughs> our point is just to sit here and, and watch the rest of my hair fall out, apparently. Yeah. Well, you know, God forbid we inject some common sense into the situation. Oof. And we should not be taxed with that duty, sir. <laughs> our job is, is to sometimes enlighten, often entertain, and, and usually drink. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I it's hear only you. a matter of time, but when I going to start, Jack Boots going to be knocking at my door saying, is Joseph on that tries to be funny? <laughs> I'm going to have to call Professor Snoof to, to bail me out of this. Oh, dear God. But we'll hold off on that for a few more minutes. I think we should. I think Why we should. Why don't we just jump into our middle gem? You think? And try and have some fun. I'm all for fun. All I'm, right. I'm a big fan of fun. Now, I know the band you want to use for today's middle gem, and I'm a huge fan. So shut well, yeah, over this. Yeah, this, this is a little bit out of left field. Um, you know, it's 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 digging back into the early seventies, uh-huh. um, but it it would seem to be appropriate in a lot of different ways from what we're talking about today and what we're going to be talking about later on today. Um, I know you're a huge fan of Wings. Yep. So I was I was uh, I was quite pleased that I managed to dig this out. But uh, but yeah, this is a this is an old Wings song uh, called Medicine Jar. And it's a fantastic choice. So we're going to play that for you right now, folks. And we'll be back in a few minutes with some more things and stuff, 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 stuff. What's wrong with you? I wish I knew. You say time will tell.
You know, I, I that song just fits my definition of gem. And it's as, a as gem. Big a Wings fan as I am, I don't know if I've ever even heard that song. Yeah, it, a relatively obscure song. It was off the uh, 1975 Wings album Venus and Mars. Yeah. And uh, something I think that made it even more obscure than you would think was it was written and sung by. Uh, the late guitarist Jimmy McCullough. Right, right. Um, That's Paul, what sets it apart. Yeah, Paul brought him in, you know, I believe it was in 1974. Um, he unfortunately passed away from, like, extreme self-abuse hmm. in 1979, but, you know, really made a statement, really put himself, you know, into the discussion, if you will, right. with that particular song. It's a cool tune. Yeah. You know, and you just don't hear that much about it, really. I mean, so much stuff that, that, that Wings did... Um, you know, I won't be ridiculous and say I enjoyed McCartney stuff with Wings better than the Beatles, but right. you know, it's it's kind of close because they're two completely different animals, and very iconic of the the, the 1970s, particularly yes. the early 1970s. Yes, and a lot of the the backbeats and the rhythms very reflected of you know the disco years, and they were able to get away with it. <laughs> and even the you know the one song Uncle Albert kind of harkens back uh, to the Beatles sound of say Sergeant Pepper. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it was, it was still the, Beatles, there. the Beatles' influence, if yes. you will, yes. was definitely all over Wings. But yeah. uh, but it was Paul, you know. And I know, you know, how do you sleep at night, notwithstanding? Right. You know, right. Paul was a consummate songwriter. Sure. He truly was. And you know, a lot of the Wings stuff was a lot of fun. Sure. You know, it didn't necessarily. And it was a, you know, the big mystery for a long time was, you know, what are they talking about in the song Jet? <laughs> yeah, right. And it's his puppy. What's the matter with you people? You stupid. He's talking about a little puppy and when he'll mate her when she gets older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come but, on, man. Yeah, I think thinking? I think these days, um, you know, Paul has become, uh, I don't know, almost like grandfatherly. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just recently worked with the guys from Nirvana. Yes. You know, and they did some cool shit together. Because yeah, there's one thing that nobody can deny is the musical genius of Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. That's no one doubt. of those last no definites, you know? Yeah, yeah. Time time has definitely worked in Paul's favor. Totally. So, yeah, yeah an inspired choice, sir. Thank you for turning me on to that. I will that was good continue fun. to enjoy it. It's good fun. And, uh, you know, I once took a, uh, I took a long drive to Florida on, on an assignment. And uh, it was shortly after 9-11, so I wasn't ready to really fly yet. Right, right. And I had a new car. So I drove from Jersey down to Florida to stay there a couple of weeks. And right before I left Jersey, I picked up the uh, Wingspan. It was Wings Greatest Hits, okay. double CD set. Yep. And I played the shit out of that the whole drive down. <laughs> and just, just enjoyed the hell out of it. And brought back so many great 70s memories as oh, a kid. Yeah. Oh, as a little kid, I, I have fond memories of going to the library. Uh-huh. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. I don't even know if libraries exist they anymore. Them. They do. Yeah. Do they really? Oh, that's good. <laughs> He's Conan the Librarian. But uh, but you know it was a, a very cool source of albums that yeah. you could pick yeah. up and 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 take home and listen to and bring back. The first time I heard the Doors was courtesy of a of an album that I picked up from the library, and I do remember uh, one particular album. It was a Live Wings album. Uh-huh. Um, that I picked up and brought home, and you know, even as a little kid, I absolutely loved live music, and uh, and hearing Wings live, yeah. you know, I don't remember the name of the album, unfortunately, but it was it was cool shit, you know. Well, I apologize to our listeners with that uh, giant noise it, that yeah, probably just happened. Just juggling, juggling microphones, yeah. But my my spit screen just went haywire. But now we're we're okay. Again. You some bitches couldn't close an umbrella. You gotta hate it when the shit starts fighting back, right? It just, ah, <laughs> Damn you know? equipment. But uh, but yeah, it seems like uh, you know songs about doctors. Yeah, you know, 
Well, that, that's going to be what we're going to segue it's a fairly, right into. Fairly frequent topic. Yeah, you know, amongst uh, amongst the rock and rollers, as you as, and as it you has say. been since the inception. So yeah. whether it be you know Love Potion number nine or Peggy Lee doing Fever, and yep. there's yep. always been songs about. Love and bugs and doctors and shots and medicines and <laughs> pills. And you wonder why these guys die at 27. No Seriously. Doubt, no doubt. So uh, just as a, as a, as a whimsy, uh, and we did a top three last episode. Well, you know what? Screw it. We're doing another one. We're overdue. We're, We're overdue. overdue. we got to get them yeah. all in now. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be our, our individual top three favorite songs in no particular order. That involve doctors and medicines and occasionally okay. even nurses. Nice. Nice. <laughs> all right. I like it. So you, you want let to off the, the last time, so I'll, I'll jump on Go this one. Go for it, man. Because um, I just love the intro, and on a great sound system, it's like thunder. I'm going to go with uh, Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood <laughs> off of the album by the same name, which really was their best album, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and the whole it had the whole theatrical lead in, and you get your heartbeats and yeah. EKG. Yeah. And when you know they kicked in with that guitar and the thunderous Tommy Lee drums, it was just... It was like that scene from Wayne's World when they're driving around in the Pacer and Bohemian Rhapsody comes on. <laughs> like if you were driving and Doctor Feelgood came on, like the full version with the intro, yeah, yeah. that's what it was. It was like. Well, I really think that was a serious measure of uh, you know how much juice you had as a musician in L.A. during that time period. I think if you did have some juice. You know, you knew a Dr. Feelgood. Oh, you sure. Know? I definitely knew at it least one, be, oh, if not a couple, tell. of Dr. Feelgoods. You know? Your and Dr. Feelgood, sir, could fill the Mayo Clinic. They, they, were, <laughs> they were good guys to know back in the day, is yep. all I can say. Always had one know? on speed dial. <laughs> but, uh, and then there's me. I'm, I'm adverse to taking an Advil. Yeah, well. Weird. Know. Yeah. Weird dynamic. Uh, all right. Um, well, let me contribute to this. Um, Actually, uh, I don't know if this, this would necessarily qualify as, as what we call a gem because it just came out recently. But, uh, but there's a Foo Fighters tune that, uh, that recently came to my attention called Medicine at Midnight Okay. that, uh, that I can seriously relate to. It's an interesting song in that, like, at the very beginning when you start to listen to it, it doesn't sound like Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely doing something different. Right. And I think that's the appeal to it. It doesn't sound like a typical Foo Fighters tune. And I think they released it in 2020, mid-pandemic. If I, I, I oh, could that be wrong, would make it timely then. Yeah, exactly. But uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I strongly recommend it. It's an interesting turn for the Foo Fighters and an interesting turn for Dave Grohl. Yeah. You know? And an interesting choice of your top three. See, sometimes yeah. we do put new stuff out there. Indeed. We're not dead. Medicine at Midnight, <laughs> folks. Check it out. <laughs> All right, what do you got, John? All right, my uh, my very germane number two okay. would uh, come from a guilty pleasure I have of being a fan of uh, the late Robert Palmer. Okay. And he did a song uh, called Bad Case of Loving You. Yep. And it's so, like, honky-tonk stage band kind of sound to it. Yeah. That's, that's why I love it. I, I throw it up there with, you know, obviously a lot of different Bruce Springsteen songs. But that little ditty by uh, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band that came out in the 80s yep, yep. <laughs> from that uh, movie, Eddie the Cruisers, oh, I think God, it was. Yeah. It's kind of like that that feel to it, you know? Yep, it's just yep. very non-assuming. I mean, compared to stuff he did, um, you know, with the models in the background, sure, uh, sure. Addicted to Love and all of that, yeah. and then the stuff he did previously with Power Station... It kind of stands out as the only song like that that he ever did. Well, it, it in context, Robert Palmer kind of caught a groove yeah. during that time period, and he and he hit a point where 
you know, he had that Midas touch where right. hit, yes, the song hit, yep. you know. He was just, he was, he was, I don't know what you'd say, he was in the zone, I guess. And he had friends, um, the story behind the, the models that were in his late 80s songs, always yep. the same checks. Yep. He had a lot of friends over in France that went on to shoot his videos, but they were previously producing fashion shows. Really? So they already had all those models, <laughs> and they pitched it to him, and he was uh -huh. like, all right, we'll give it a try, see what yep. it looks like. Yep. And he wound up using it for Addicted to Love. Okay. Um, Simply Irresistible was the third one he did. Also, uh, I Didn't Mean to Turn You On. Yep. And I think there was another seldom seen, it might have been Hyperactive, where he used them as well, but... Yeah, the other three ones are the ones that everybody knows. Right. And always had those like super hot, oversaturated camera lens, you know, yep. shots yep. of them because yep. they all made them look the same. That was really what everybody knows Robert Palmer as. Yeah, but yeah. He had been around a long time before that. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And like I said, it, in that stretch of time, it got good to him. It yeah. got very good to him. And, and I based uh, my, my whole look of late <laughs> 80s on the Robert Palmer look. Nice. I would go out. It would be in a suit. The hair would be done. The whole nice. nine yards. Nice. And that's, yeah, if I had to pick a rock and roller, even before my David Lee Roth phase, if I was a rock and roller, I wanted to look like Robert Palmer. Nice. Yep. Well, there, there are worse influences to have. Sure. Yes. Sure. What do you All got? Right. Um, I don't know. Kind of up in the air. This, this, I was a little bit torn between two different songs. Uh -huh. um, but as far as, just, as far as references or mentions of doctors um, and just the era as a whole, uh, Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles. Which I thought was an eclectic choice, but it does make sense. Yeah. Well, again... <laughs> You know, time period living in Southern California uh -huh. and the story that they relate. Right. You know, call the doctor. I think I'm gonna gonna crash. The doctor said he's coming, but you got to pay him cash. Yep. I can honestly say I had that experience. I lived that experience. <laughs> you know, and that that you know it hit home. I'm not a huge fan of the Eagles, and I'm mm -hmm. you know aware of a lot of the criticisms that uh, that they took. Um, but the fact of the matter is, they were very, very talented dudes. I mean, they're no Doobie Brothers, but they were good. <laughs> Anybody just joining the podcast now <laughs> wouldn't necessarily understand that reference. The it's, Great Doobie uh, Brothers War of yeah, 2020. Yeah, it goes back. It goes back between me and Johnny a few months. But uh, but yeah, with uh, with Hotel California, um, as much as you maybe you know would want to criticize the Eagles for being who they were, that album very definitely you know, captured the zeitgeist of Southern California yeah. in the late 70s and very much so in the early 80s when, you know, when I arrived out there. Yep. And, uh, and that particular tune nails it, just yeah. nails it. So nice. Prop, yeah, no prop, argument here. Props to, uh, props to Don Henley and, uh, and Glenn Fry. They really did it. Sure, sure. So. Um, you know, my, my third is, again, some low-hanging fruit, self-indulgence, just, yeah, self-indulgence <laughs> to the extreme. Uh, a, a, a minor, not very flamboyant rock band, little known, called Kiss, who mm. <laughs> did a song called yeah, Dr. Love. I've heard of those guys, Once or I twice, think. right? A little obscure, yeah. but yeah, I think I've sure. heard of them. Yeah. They, they could use with some more marketing and, and tie-ins, merchandise, stuff like that. They yeah, would have been yeah, much you'd bigger. Think, you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the first thing that comes to mind when I'm thinking like rock song, Doctor, it's it's, it's Doctor Love, you yeah, know, yeah, and uh, who knows? I mean, maybe we'll we'll hear from them later on in the telecast. You Ooh, never know. Little teaser there, folks. Little teaser, or maybe this whole thing is one of our elaborate segues mm. into something else. Yeah, could like, be. It's like could it's, be. It's like a nesting doll. Could be a big doll. Open it up, little doll. Open it up, littler doll. Oh, it's a Pandora's box, folks. And now we're at the gobstopper, perhaps, of, of the episode. 
And it's time for, yes, a, a crowd favorite, if you will, the effervescent, irrepressible Professor Heinrich Snoof. He's back, folks, with another edition of The Doctor is Incognito. Here we go. Hello, Professor. So good to see you again. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome once again to The Doctor is Incognito. Uh, and I am your host, Professor Heinrich Snoof. Outstanding. Good uh, to see you. And on this episode, uh, we are happy to uh, bridge the gap from the, uh, the era of the pandemic and talk about perhaps life after COVID-19. I love it. There yep. are many, many people now who have been vaccinated uh, and things seem to be moving along well, except, of course, for India and and, and uh, Brazil, which yeah, is sorry to hear very that, close Professor. to you lived there yes. a couple of years. What's that? Yes, Johnny, several years I, I, yeah. I lived there. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but here in the United States, uh, things seem to be improving. And here are a couple thoughts um, that I have come up with to perhaps uh, help the people to adapt to life after COVID-19. Great. Let's okay. do it. Good, Johnny. You ready? Okay. Absolutely. Here we go. Um, I think it is important that people who have been vaccinated for the COVID-19 have um, some documented uh, proof uh, of the vaccination. Let's, let's say they, they need to have papers. Okay. So mm. uh, perhaps uh, we could use um, the highway patrol to set up checkpoints and in, in a very friendly manner, uh, not to say mean or, or, or to single out anyone. But for instance, uh, if an, an elderly couple comes driving through the checkpoint, you make them stop. Uh, you make them exit the vehicle. And then, then, of course, you say, do you have your papers, old man? And then yeah, you take long drag on, on cigarette. That is how you do it. Yeah, I don't um, know about that. And I think that will help uh, reduce the surface population uh, of this particular segment of society what? known as the unvaccinated, perhaps. That may be a little heavy-handed. Yeah. We're still working on it. <laughs> Oof. What? Oh no! I I no. We don't mean to single out any any, uh, any sounds like uh, racial uh, lines or religious. Just to make sure you have your papers, okay, Johnny? Right. You have your your of course. Papers. Okay, I'm fully good, vaccinated. Good. I knew you would. You're mm-hmm. you're a good citizen. You are. You are. Um, and then on the matter of the masks, many people they don't like to to wear the mask. Me personally, I I said before I I relish. Wearing a mask, because sometimes you you don't want people to know, you know, who who you are and what you've done, and it's just it's nothing. But I I don't mind the mask. I think in fact the mask is now going to be, um, uh, for example, like the fedora used to be to a man's suit, okay, or a woman with a stylish hat. Uh, you know, it's not just for Kentucky Derby and church on Sundays. No, you get a fancy hat or a fancy mask. You look very, very, very stylish, like 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 Hillary Clinton. Very oh, stylish. there it is. Um, yep. <laughs> okay, let's see what else we got. Um, I have noticed uh, as uh-huh. I go about my my daily routine, mm-hmm. um, some of the shopping uh, supermarchés they have these robots. Yep. That yep. go up and down the aisles, and I think 
they're supposed to be looking for spills and whatnot, but yes, I don't yes. know. They, they, I feel like I am being scanned by, no. by these robots. So I think uh, with some minor tinkering, which I would be happy to assist with, I think these robots could uh, perhaps be reprogrammed uh, to detect uh, COVID-19 and oh. the unvaccinated uh, and then refer them to the, the, the proper authorities. And another thing too, maybe maybe detect farts because there's nothing farts, farts, uh, flatulence, poo poo bubble. Yes, oh, farts, fart. fart. yes, Johnny. okay. Um, and detect that and announce it to embarrass the person who who is farted in the aisle. Because well, that yeah. is rampant. <laughs> it is rampant, and it needs to be stopped out. Okay. Oh, let's see. And. Uh, that's it, you know, for my immediate it, it, advice, you know, but I think it is important now as we come out of the COVID-19 to get back to some sense of, of, of normalcy and go about our lives the way God intended it to. I agree. Okay? I agree. And uh, speaking of that, um, mm-hmm. earlier today, I, I met this uh, this the Tula McBride. Oh, yes. Yes. Tula. She worked yeah. for you? Yes, she does. Oh. She is a delight. She is oh. delightful, yep. <laughs> My God, yes. You must introduce us. Please well, introduce an age us. There. <laughs> yes. No, well, uh, Professor Snoop is enjoying his retirement, but every now and again, he like uh, he like to do some research. Okay. You know? <laughs> okay. That's how it is. Okay, no anyway, thank you, Johnny. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me again. Uh, this has been The Doctor is Incognito with me, Professor Heinrich Snoof. Oh, always, always interesting. Always interesting to, uh, to get a perspective. Professor. Yeah, courtesy of the, the the professor. Yeah, kind of hearing a different side of the professor yeah. in, in this one. Maybe he's starting to loosen up around us a little bit. Well, you know, it it, it seemed to be uh, to me potentially. I hope not, but potentially a bit of a premonition because he kind of inadvertently uh, touched on. One of the things about the, the vaccination yes. uh, segment of this whole pandemic about Truth. papers. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the... Uh, and the exclusion the of pro- those who aren't vaccinated. Yeah. The professor is used to, you know, situations that require papers. Sure. But, one, uh, one could construe that, uh, you know, he uh, had his formative years in a rather constrictive environment. One would say. One would say that. Yes. Is it safe? And, uh, yeah, I mean, everything old is new again, as they say, yeah, and it's all yeah. cyclical. That could be, you know, a very insightful uh, yeah. perspective, you know, courtesy yeah. of, of, of the professor as to where we're going. Is it safe? And even if you don't like the messenger, folks, take the message, because mm. he might be onto something. That's, that's entirely possible. I can't, I'm, I'm kind of surprised of all the, the, the times that we've sat down with the doctor. Yeah. You know, I've kind of taken him with a grain of salt. Sure. Um, you know. Perfectly manicured lawn, notwithstanding. <laughs> um, but on that one, it kind of perked my ears up when he started talking about that. That was like, mm. yeah. And I think the the bone he gave me last week looked more like a large femur than a than a bully stick. But yeah. I, you know, she just took it and ran with it. So I don't, interesting, I don't know. interesting. So, and I'm, I'm glad to hear he's got a, a little little twinkle in his eye with he, this tool of a he, he does seem to. He seems to Ain't be a little that lit some up. Shit, huh? Yeah. 
Well, it Hey, it is spring. And to, spring is spring. To each his own, you know, different strokes <laughs> for different folks and all that. But uh, but yeah, he, he definitely has a bit of a bit of a spring to his step. I'll give yeah. you that. So. Unbelievable. So I tell you what, as a, uh, a a throwback, a tip of the hat, a nod, if you will, to yes. our, our good friend Professor Snoof. Uh, why don't we play our third gem, the aforementioned from our previous segment? Uh, Kiss doing Dr. Love. Oh, let's go there. Seems appropriate. Let's Why not? Let's do it. All right, gang. We'll be back in a couple minutes with some more stuff and a finish up.
Oh, that was fun. It's just, that was fun. I mean, Kiss is just a fun band. You know, literally, literally the epitome of guilty pleasures. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, those of us in, in this particular age range, mm, without yep. getting specific, grew up with these guys. Right. And yeah, they, they didn't break any new ground musically. They didn't rewrite the, right. you know, the best song of all time or but whatever. But hey, Led Zeppelin didn't do a Halloween special with Paul Lynn. This now, is also they, true. Right? This is also true. So you let's know? all stay in our lane. So yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with going there every now and again. And of course, if that didn't bring you back to the 70s, you know, with the production around the oh, song sure. and whatnot. I think that off a of rock and roll over, I think. Possibly, but don't yeah. quote me on that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, good fun, you yeah. know, in a way, in a way to, to hopefully put this episode in perspective. Yeah. That, yeah, today we're, we're just having a little fun. Whatever seems ridiculous today will be endearing tomorrow. <laughs> That's our message, folks. No Us included. I'm telling you, man. So... Anyway, anywho, John, what's going on in Big Boom Radio this week? Anything oh, new? Anything same interesting? old nonsense. Always got some new shows coming out. All right, uh, working on some new episodes of Live Five at Five, I like which it. of course I plays like every Saturday at five, like the nice title nice. would suggest. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, just trying to keep it fresh, keep it fun. Yep. Uh, we've got the again big wrestling show coming up uh, next weekend. As a matter of fact, oh wow! All right, Creek Pro, and the uh, name of the event is Scratch the Surface. Nice. Thunder Lips is here. Nice. Well, uh, we always, of course, have updates on our Facebook page, uh, and now they're streaming it. You'll be able to watch the whole event on Twitch. Nice. And maybe for the super duper investigative amongst our listeners, you might catch a picture of me Hello. at the event. I'll be the one in the Big Boom Radio t-shirt. There we which go. Which is going to be available for sale soon. Just right. saying. Well, just because the TV thinks you're a hot shit, that don't make it so. Now they're going to be looking through that thing like this Bruder <laughs> film. Which one is he? Hopefully all the ladies will say, he sounds really good looking, so look for a good looking guy. Oh, there you go. Johnny Johnny Kaplan <laughs> making the rare public... public uh, <laughs> public hey, appearance. It's like the Loch Ness Monster sticking his head out of the <laughs> Is that a real person? No, it's a stick. Hey, what can you do? Yeah, but other than that, it's just business as usual. All right. Uh, trying to keep it fresh and uh, always looking for new things to do on the show and especially nice. topics for this podcast. So if you at home have any ideas or things that you'd like us to talk about. Shoot us an email, man. Yeah, even yeah. if you want to do a call-in spot, we're open to everything. Indeed, indeed uh, we are. Send me an email at john at bigboomradio.com. I'll review it, I'll laugh at you, I'll degrade you a little bit, but I will always get back to you, because you're important to me. He will talk about you on the air, folks. He oh, will do incessantly. that. incessantly. At the private. very least. Oh, my yes. goodness. I like it. <laughs> All right, brother, I'm thinking that's about it for this episode. Let's call it a wrap. Michael, thank you so much for joining me again on this always adventure pleasure, we John. call reality. Always a pleasure. So signing off for me, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.